0: You're listening to a sermon from Midtown Presbyterian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about Midtown and its ministry, please visit us at midtownpres.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. So glad to see everybody here today. My name is Gail Parker. And um, I love the opportunity always when invited to bring the word of God. On New Year's Day of this year, I was, um, I baptized a 90 year old man in the home of his daughter and uh, amongst their extended family, his other children, grandchildren. Um, It was really quite an event. I don't wanna use his real name, so I'm gonna call him, for the purpose of this sermon, I'm gonna call him Kenny Bell. Everyone that I grew up with knew about Kenny Bell because I grew up in the kind of small town where everybody knew everybody else's business. So everyone knew that Kenny drank way, way, way too much and that he was like a renowned philanderer, womanizer. He, was always stepping out on his wife. But I was told that somewhere in his 70s, he, he really settled down and became quite a, a loving and faithful husband to his wife until the day that she died. And sometime last year, late last year, he said to his daughter that he believed in Jesus and um, that he'd never been baptized. So... Fast forward now to New Year's Day. And I'm I'm in this room and I remember him, how he was, haven't seen him in 50 years and now I'm looking at him. And before I asked him the vows of baptism, I just felt really led to preach kind of a little short sermon. I looked him in the eye and I said, Kenny, God loves you. Kenny, God has always loved you. In all those years when you were living so far away from him, Jesus has loved you and he's been pursuing you. He can't help it because that's who he is. And after some more remarks kind of along that line, I said, all of heaven today is rejoicing that you have embraced God's love and that you're coming home. And tears filled this man's eyes and tears filled the family's eyes. It was such a sweet time. Later that afternoon, I happened to be talking to somebody that I grew up with. And um, she's not a Christian. She's actually quite opposed to Christianity but she knows who I am. And I said, do you remember Kenny Bell? Oh, yes, I remember Kenny Bell. He was a town drunk and, and a major philanderer and he was a horrible father, mean to his sons, and an awful man. Of course I remember Kenny Bell. I said, well, I baptized him this morning. She said, There is not enough water in the world to wash away that man's sins. (laughs) She could not imagine the love and mercy and grace and unconditional love of God. Now I know her well enough to know that I'm sure that she is hard on other people because she's extremely hard on herself and that she has worked very hard to be good enough and to do good. And the thought that somebody like a Kenny could get off easy is just beyond her comprehension. You can't give grace if you haven't received grace. I am... I was thinking this week about this, this prayer that I pray really regularly for myself, and I pray it for my children and my grandchildren. It's a, it, this is just a few words from a prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. We are in a sermon series right now that we're calling, You've Heard It Said, But Jesus Says to You. And today, um, I, I'm addressing the topic. You have heard it said that you are not worthy of love. You've, you've heard it said either because other people have said that to you or maybe that's a message that you hear inside yourself or that you feel. You, you've heard it said you're not worthy of love. That's a lie. The truth is... You are unconditionally loved. Would you listen to the scripture or read along with me from Mark chapter 5 beginning at verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. And now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd endured much under many physicians And had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but she grew worse. She'd heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, the hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, When he entered, he said to them, "'Why do you make such a commotion and weep? "'The child is not dead, but sleeping.' And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, "'Talitha kum,' which means, "'Little girl, get up.' And immediately the girl got up and began to walk around. She was was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the way that you loved people back then and the way that you continue to love people now. And we pray, Father, that you would take these words now and that they would not return void, but they would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thinking about this topic that we are unconditionally loved and thinking about this text, I want to lift up three truths one is that the truth that Jesus has time for you. One is that Jesus is determined to find you and find me. And finally, it's the truth is that it's a choice to believe. We've got to choose to believe it. Jesus has time for you. If you want to know if you're unconditionally loved, it's a good place to start. The crowds have been gathering around Jesus from Mark chapter 1 into 2, 3, 4, and now in chapter 5, the crowds are back again. And this important man, Jairus, a synagogue leader, makes his way through the crowd, pushes his way through the crowd until he gets up to Jesus, prostrates himself at Jesus' feet and begs him to come to his house, lay his hands on his daughter and heal her. She's on death's door. Now, the religious leadership of Jesus Day has already taken a position on Jesus, that he is a false Messiah. So Jairus' job as a synagogue leader is to keep the crowds away from Jesus. The last thing he should be doing is, is inviting the crowds and Jesus to come to his house for a healing service. Why would he do that? Because he's desperate. Because if your little child is ill, you don't care so much what other people think about what you do. Jesus went and the crowd. Why did Jesus go? He's got the crowds pressing in on him. He goes because he has time to be interrupted by a gyrus. Because he loves gyrus and the 12 year old little girl. The crowd is pressing in on him, and the very next line, as they're following him, pressing in on him. Now, there was a woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, had spent all she had. She was no better, but rather grew worse. What? What is that doing at this point in the story? What's going on here? Everything stops for this woman who doesn't even have a name She's out of home. she's out of money, she's out of uh, hope, she's out of everything. For 12 years, she has had a non-stop period. Ladies, did you get that? (laughs) For 12 years, she has never stopped menstruating. And as bad as that would be, For us today, it was way worse then. Because when you were menstruating, you were unclean. And that meant that you had to stay away from everyone. Because if anybody came near you, if you bumped them, if they touched you, then they became unclean. And then they had to go through purification rites. So uh, she's been, for 12 years, rejected, rejected. Less than, isolated, lonely. That's been her way of life for 12 years. And she lives in a culture where community is the way of life. She's not supposed to be in the crowd. She knows she's not supposed to be in the crowd. She has no business being there. Anybody she bumps along the way in this huge crowd is going to become unclean. She knows she shouldn't be there. And besides the fact, Jesus is very busy and he's on his way to heal a dying girl. Sometimes we think Jesus is too busy, or we think that uh, we're not important enough, or that we're too bad or too sinful. Those things are a lie. The truth is Jesus has time to be interrupted even for you, even for me. Why? Because he loves us exactly as we are. Sometimes we're too busy to be interrupted. Sometimes we have prejudged people like the 90 year old Kenny I told you about or people like this woman. And there's no way we're going to make time for them. I find that when I am too busy to make time, I need a heart check. And I need to really check. If my heart is closed to you, then is my heart closed to the unconditional love that God has for me, as well as the unconditional love that God has for you? God has time for you. God has time for your story. God has time for your shame, for your suffering. There was a a woman I was talking to not very long ago, actually. And she was feeling very badly about herself. Her attitude sucked, and it really did. And complaining and griping and critical. and And I don't know what she said, but something in me made me say to her, you know God loves you, right? She said, there is no way God could love me like this. There's no way God could love me like this. I said, oh, you think God doesn't know? God loves you exactly like this. So stop running from God and burying yourself in self-pity and go to him and let him love you. And let him love you out of this. Let him love you in such a way that his love will transform you and change you and move you to a better place, to a healing place. The woman doesn't know what's going to happen, right? Her plan is just sneak in behind him, touch his cloak, and get out of there. But when she touches him, immediately she's healed and she knows it. And she wants to remain anonymous, but Jesus wants to know her. And so he says, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples go, Are you freaking kidding? Uh, half of Galilee is touching you right now. No. Who touched me? He's determined to find her, not just to dispense dispense a, a physical cure. He wants to know her and to be known by her. And this woman who has been in isolation for 12 years, kind of a pariah type in her community, he wants them to know. She kneels before him, and she tells him the whole truth. When is the last time you told the whole truth? The whole truth that you've been hurt, but also that you've hurt others trying to fix your hurt. The whole truth, that you want healing, but you really want it without confession. The whole truth, that you've made mistakes, for sure, but that you've lost hope in the process that you're worth anything. The woman probably believes that Jesus has called her out because he wants to reprimand her perhaps censure her after all she's made everybody that she's bumped along the way unclean. He's now unclean because she's touched him. And what she gets, what she gets when she tells the whole truth is not disgust or censure. She gets compassion. She gets unconditional love. Jesus listens to her and then he, he calls her daughter. It's a family term. This woman who has not belonged in 12 years, Jesus is saying to her, you belong to me. And he's saying to her and the community, you belong here. You are restored. Your faith has made you well. Her faith now that's not just in the maybe if I touch his cloak, but now her faith that is in this man who has healed her. Go in peace, wholeness, not just physical healing, but she's been restored. The lie is that that many people believe is that Jesus looks on us with disdain or disgust or he's disappointed and and um, and but the truth is that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. that's the truth. The truth is that when you know you've been that you have the approval of the only one who really ultimately matters. When you are rooted and grounded in the soil of his unconditional love for you and for everyone else, you can love your way around this broken world in confidence. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about the people that you're loving, what they've done, who they are. It doesn't matter. You can love with confidence because that's where your life is rooted and grounded. Bryn Manning said, To me it is more important to be loved than to love. When I have not had the experience of being loved by God just as I am and not as I should be, then loving others becomes a duty, a responsibility, a chore. But if I let myself be loved as I am, with the love of God poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit, then I can reach out to others in a more effortless way. I wonder if that's what Paul meant when he prayed, that we would become rooted and grounded in love. That when that is the foundation out of which we live, then love is what comes out of us. And when it doesn't, because we are not yet perfect, we tell the whole truth and we find their compassion and grace. And that love that then helps us grow deeper in our grounding into that soil. And that love that then continues to form us and transform us until we become the kind of lovers that our Lord is. Here's some um, self-examined questions that I wanna lift up for us as we we think about this. especially if you're in church today, you probably would say, oh, I know I'm unconditionally loved. I know God loves me. But knowing that here and, and living out of that soil are two very different things. So I've got some questions that I think are good reflective questions. Do you feel bad about... Uh, yes, this, there is. Do you feel bad about um, yourself and guilty, ashamed? And it doesn't go away... It keeps coming back and the uh, confession isn't taking care of it. Do you crave the approval of others? Are you overly protective of yourself for fear of being hurt? Are you confident in reaching out in love to others no matter what who they are or what they've done or what they've not done? Are you trying to prove yourself? Are you often defensive or critical of others? Do you compare yourself to others? Are you afraid of the truth about yourself? Who gets to decide if you are loved as you are? I'm going to answer that one for you. God does. You don't get to decide that. God does. How do you know God loves you? We sang it this morning. He gave his life for us. What more more proof do you need than you are dearly, deeply, unconditionally loved? Paul says in Romans 3, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not after you got your life together. Not after you got your act together. Jesus is determined to find us, to make us whole, to love us as we are, But obviously to love us so much that that love then continues to form and transform us so that we don't stay in a place of unhealth, but we are being made well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease, Jesus says. I want to move now to my third truth, the truth that you, that belief is a choice, and that we need to choose to to believe the truth, not just what we hear said. I want to get back to Jairus. What has he been doing, do you think, while this woman has been having her breakthrough? I think he may have been having kind of a breakdown. Right? They're on the way. They're on their way. They're making their way. His daughter's dying. He's, Jesus is following along. Everyone's following along. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Where is he? Where is he? And in the meantime, his daughter dies. And and they come, and they tell him his daughter dies. And and they say, you know, don't bother, it's over. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And both, and then Jesus says to him, uh, he overhears this and he says, don't be afraid. Only believe. And both of those things are. Both of those things are true, right? He hears. She's dead. And he hears believe. And sometimes when we hear two messages, we hear what the world is saying, whether it's coming from outside of us or whether it's coming from inside of us. And we hear what Jesus is saying. Sometimes it's like, what do I do with both of these things? Because they seem not to go together. God has a calling on your life. You hear you hear Jesus say, "You've got a calling, you're important to me. I, uh, you've got a purpose, it's good. And you look at your life and none of that looks true. God's calling you to stay faithful in a job that you find un, almost untenable. Calling you to a lifestyle that, that you're not sure is accessible, you, you, you're hearing one thing, you're looking at your life, they don't seem to match. What do you do with that? You're tired. You're dealing with almost endless needs of kids or extended family members. And nothing seems to be changing. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you just want to give up like Jairus must have at some point thought, maybe it's over. And yet the Lord says, clothe yourselves with love. Clothe yourself with love. And you're thinking, all I can see is clothing of irritation and frustration and and impatience. And the waiting can chisel away at your belief. The waiting can really chisel it away. God loves you. God loves your daughter, Jairus. What happens if Jairus refuses to believe? What happens if if he he just can't hear Jesus? What happens if you refuse to believe? What happens if you choose to believe what what you're hearing the world say and you don't believe what Jesus is saying to you? Especially when it comes to this being loved bit. Do you just get harder and harder on yourself? And on the people around you, your children and other people around you? Do you beat yourself up trying to be good and do good? Do you give up and you just never even show up to even hope that you can touch the clothes of the edge of his garment? I'll tell you what, I know you miss. I know what will happen is is you'll miss the good, good, good life of being rooted and grounded in the soil of God's unconditional love for you and for everyone around you. Some are at a crucial place in your faith. You have heard different things said, and it's hard to believe what you are hearing God say in the face of those things. And those things are often based, backed up by facts that you can see and touch and hear and um, And they're loud, those, those voices. She's dead. Don't fear, only believe. She's dead. Don't fear, only believe. He says that to you and to me as well. Not because he's the magic cure dispenser, because not everybody gets physically healed in this life. But because his love covers all offenses. Because his love will be with you wherever you go and whatever happens to you. Some of you have haters coming at you, and they are telling you very clearly, and everyone else, that there's nothing likable about you, let alone anything lovable about you. That's a lie. But those are the facts that you're seeing and touching and hearing. But the truth is, my Father loves you. My Father himself loves you because you have loved me, Jesus says. Things have happened that make you feel, they're making you feel very insecure, extremely insecure. And you're kind of wallowing in that. Those are the facts. And you got stuff you can see that backs it up. But Jesus says to you, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The fact may be you cried yourself to sleep last night because you are afraid. Or you're disappointed or you're disillusioned and and you just don't have much left. Those are the facts. But the truth is weeping may linger for a night. But what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. You're going to believe what you're hearing say. You're going to believe the facts of those things. Or are you going to believe the truth of what God says? The truth is uh, the the things that you're seeing, the facts that you're hearing are that friends are lying about you and gossiping about you and everything in you wants revenge. Everything in you wants revenge. But here's the truth. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my reputation. What are you going to believe? You're tired. You're tired of waiting. You're struggling over it. Everything in you just wants to throw in the towel. Those are the facts. You're hearing stuff and you've got facts to back it up. But here's the truth. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? You feel all alone, like no one maybe will ever love you. You look at your life, you say, Well, that's reality. Everything says everything in me is saying that's true. But what's really true? My beloved is mine. And I am his. You're going to believe what the world says, what your feelings say, or you're going to believe the truth of what God says. You are unconditionally loved. I'm going to close by asking you to pray the prayer that I have mentioned a couple of times. Um, It's going to be up on the screen. I want you to pray this for yourself, I want you to pray this for one another. I want you to pray this for everyone you love. And I want you to pray it like you mean it. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend is it not there? Oh, do I, do I not have the longer prayer back there? Oh, okay, well then listen to me. Pray it with me as I, as I pray it. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me.